Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, Wheeler, you just have a few days left, man, before Christmas, so I really want to know where you're getting me. Uh, I have not decided on that one yet. That's going to be a game-time decision, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> you can give me a new house, though, if you want Well, to. what I'm doing, actually, what I'm doing is I'm holding out, and I'm waiting. You know how you do with some people where you wait to kind of get an indication of what they're getting you before you decide if you're even going to get them something? Like, are they getting you something? <laughs> are they not? Uh, but right. I can tell you right now that uh, I don't even care how nicely you talk to Santa. You ain't getting a new house from me. That's not happening. <laughs> well, what kind of Christmas beer do you have? Because I, I tell you, I, I went shopping. I, I try to get different, uh, you know, local Texas craft brews. And it, Christmas sneaked up on me this this time. Yeah, um, I, I don't have any Christmas brews at all to go. Uh, with I don't either, time. and that does not bother me. I mean, what are you going to you know get a, a juniper infused one or something? I mean, it, it gets kind of right. I don't know. Some of those get a little bit too uh, overpowering. I'd say it's like you're drinking you know pine or something like that. Uh, I'm cracking yeah. open a. It's it, this is from who is this from? It's brewed in Arlington, Texas, uh, in the Department of Craft Beer. Uh, legal draft beer company, they call it. And I'm having the accused Amber Lager. You ever heard of that? Nice. No. And that's, where is it from again? Uh, this is from the legal draft beer company in Arlington, Texas. Uh, the accused. I, I, that just stood out to me on the shelf. Like I I like the name of that one. I'm going to do that. Yeah, that is a good name. I pick these beers just uh... like I pick racehorses. I just go by the name. (laughs) Midnight run, things like that. (laughs) Um, Exactly. No, I, I like uh, I like uh, Amber Lager. That's good too. I'm trying to figure out where this is from before I before I crack it open here. I know it's from Austin. You need to, you need to put it's your the, readers on for this, or I, I do. It's hold like, it up to I, the like hold it up to the forever. screen there on Zoom, and I'll read it for Can you. you. See this? It's a shotgun. It's shotgun. This is a spiked seltzer. It's not really a beer. It doesn't count as a beer, but that's okay. Uh, we're not judging. And it's uh, the Shotgun Ranch Water Agave and Lime. It is crafted in Texas, 6.9% alcohol by volume. That's all I can read on there. Did you say agave? Agave. Did I say agave? Agave. See, back back to tape <laughs> yeah. up. It, twice now, dude. You're getting well, rusty, Well, you know, I was, I was reading it cold there. And yeah. We're going to have to trade you in for a, a new model. Agave. Here, uh, agave. We say agave. 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 It's agave. Wow. Um, so, uh, all right, let's get to it. We'll, we'll do language lessons next episode. So what we've done here, uh, as we come to the end of 2021 is we've decided to have a couple of episodes where we sort of re-rack a conversation that we had, uh, months ago and, and especially something that really stood out to us, uh, from earlier this year. So both of us picked one of these, uh, and since I'm, you know, this supposedly this, you know, finance guy, who's always got to have my head down in the money issues and all of that. Uh, that's what I chose because this one really stood out to me when we did it. We've done several pieces on how there's no housing uh, in, in Texas to be had at, at certain points of this year because the inventory was just nuts. Houses being sold, uh, people lining up with offers. I mean, people would get dozens of offers for one house. 
and so that one really just stood out to me because it was such an odd phenomenon here in Texas this year, something that we had just never seen before. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's, it's ticked down a little bit, but it's still white hot. The housing market is. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a realtor the other day, and he was talking about how uh, you know, in some desirable parts of Dallas, for example, how just plots of land and regular neighborhoods. This, these are just like normal plots of land in a, in a neighborhood running for six and seven hundred thousand dollars for the dirt alone. <laughs> then you have to scrape the old house that was already on there. And, you know, that leads to all kinds of issues, yeah. not to mention affordability. Uh, for anybody who's trying to get into the market, I have a gnat here flying around. I was wondering what you were doing. I just say, I know I'm like grabbing here. In, in the we're air, on Zoom. So I, I thought you were like it. sending me messages that you needed help or something. Like your wife was, you know, uh, you know, to the side over there about to do something to you. You're you're sending me these odd messages with your hands. Did you get it? No, she's trying to grab it. Okay, too, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get it. But ne- <laughs> never mind. Never mind the gnats here. Okay, <laughs> the, the 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 deal is how, how far does this market go up? And, you know, people are also talking, you know, could this cause a crash? I, I don't know enough about economics to know whether it will cause a crash or not. I just know that you, already we're pricing so many people out of the market because it is so red. Yeah, I hear this a lot from uh, people who rent um, because you know, that's no picnic either, by the way. Uh, we've seen rents just explode here in Texas in the past year. Uh, I was just looking at a new report a couple of days ago that showed rent going up by 30% and more in a lot of different places in Texas. Imagine that, your your, your housing wow. payment going up by a third. And so you hear a lot of renters say, oh, I'm done with this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy a home. But then they look at what's happened with home prices. And, and we've seen those skyrocket this year as well uh, by double digits in many places. Uh, and, and then, you know, you also have to come up with that down payment. And then you have to, you know, at least in the summertime, wait in line behind a lot of other people who have cash in hand ready to plunk it down on that same house. And then the price just keeps going up and up and up. And so it really is a catch 22 for a lot of people. Here is one little bit of silver lining, though. Uh, in a lot of the markets here in Texas, a lot of the major markets here in Texas, we saw the price hit a peak sometime there in the summer around July or so. And they have started to back down just a bit since then, cooling off just a bit. San Antonio is the exception there. It's still you know pretty high there, uh, relatively speaking. So for people who've been waiting on the sidelines, that might be a little bit of encouragement. It might also be encouragement that we're expecting single digit increases in prices next year uh, instead of the double digits we saw this year. That might help some people jump into the market. And then finally, Jason, uh, I think a huge deal for a lot of people is we have 38,000 housing starts just in the Texas Triangle, that area that goes from DFW down through Austin to San Antonio, across to Houston and back up to DFW. Just in that triangle, 38,000 housing starts. This is according to the uh, Texas A&M Real Estate Research Center. So houses are being put up. We're starting to see the inventory of houses recover just ever so slightly, and they're expecting the prices to continue rising, but not at such a crazy pace. So maybe we see uh, a little bit of encouragement for people who are in the market for homes. Maybe that's the gift for 2022. Who knows? But we were talking to uh, the other day to Steve Adler. He's the mayor of Austin. And we we're talking about affordability there. Just just how, you know, it's Austin, Travis County is likely the most unaffordable part of Texas um, th- that there is right now. 
one thing that he was that he was telling us though is that they have speaking of housing starts here that's what led me to this conversation they have they're putting up more houses in Austin and Travis County than anywhere else so i would bet a number of those housing starts are likely going to be in that part of the state but even with that they still cannot keep up with demand. Mm-hmm. Inventory, like you were talking about, is just it doesn't it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Things are selling before they even go on the market. Still to this day, mm-hmm. so that that's what the concern is going into twenty twenty two. And our our guest on this program, this is a rewind for us as we look back at twenty twenty at twenty twenty one and ahead at twenty twenty two. Our guest though is Todd Tremonti. He uh, runs the home selling team, the Todd Tremonti Home Selling Team. He's a realtor in Richardson in Dallas County. And here's what he told us about the Texas market. Uh, take me out there on any given day right now, Todd. What is it like? I mean, we hear these horror stories of showing up to see a house and encountering so many other competitors while you're there looking at it. Yeah, we we, we put a video on our YouTube channel the other day and talked a little bit about it on our radio show about how there are literal fights on sidewalks in DFW right now, right? So this, is, this sounds like New York, but it's Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And I'm not making this up. Uh, we have women swinging umbrellas at other women on what? sidewalk because they literally are. It's like children at school. They're fighting over who was in line first to get in to see homes. We have we've had 80 plus offers on homes. We have had 100 plus showings on homes. I will say, you know, I'm trying not to break my arm patting our own back here, but we've got a pretty developed marketing system. So that's not necessarily normal, but it is normal that we're seeing more showings than normal and more offers than normal. And people are literally verbally and often physically arguing, pushing and shoving to get into houses. That is a true story. Todd, from your vantage point, what is driving this and and how long does it last, man? Do you want the radio answer, the podcast answer or the full answer? I want the podcast answer, normally sitting down having a beer somewhere at a pub. All right. So the the shortest version I can give you is that we're out of houses and people still want them. And if anyone went to like an eighth grade economics class, we know it really the foundational reason is this simple. And I'll explain as many details as you guys want, because there's a lot of angles. But the foundational reason is very, very low supply, not enough houses, very high demand. Lots of people want those houses and there's not enough for them to have. The one extra factor I'll throw on right now is that borrowing money right now is borderline free. Interest rates are so low. When you throw all those factors in, you get skyrocketing prices for real reasons, not fake reasons, for real reasons. And that just creates a frenzy and urgency. Uh, Jason, the last time you interviewed me, I said the market was crazy berserko hot. And every time I'm on WBAP, they use that as my intro to make fun of me. But I, it doesn't bother me. It's still true. It is still true. But, but how long does it last, man? This can't go on forever in Texas. We have plenty of land here. At some point, the inventory is going to catch up, isn't it? Okay, let me answer your question with a question because everyone hates that. So here we go. Is it true that people still want to move here? Yes. Yes, yes, right. Yes. Is it true that not only individuals but corporations are moving? Yeah, right. Is it true that they're providing jobs, yeah. mostly good quality, high paying jobs? Is it true that builders are still not building as fast as we're buying? 
all those answers are yes. And so the when you say it can't last forever, logically it's true that it can't last forever. But the reality is we cannot see the end in sight. Economically, real estate wise, mathematically, logically, all like legitimately speaking, there is no reliable economic factor right now that would say the end is so, in sight. Now the end will come so, someday, but there is no So Todd, is. what am I supposed to do if I'm a buyer right now? And yes, those interest rates are ridiculously low and I have increased and increased and increased how much I'm willing to spend for a house. I've put myself right there on the very edge of what I think I can afford. I'm still losing out in these bidding wars. I'm looking at house after house after house. I'm going crazy. I'm pulling my hair out. At this point, do I need to just pull back and sit on the sidelines and re-sign my lease to keep renting? You're shaking your head definitively no, no on that. No, for the audio, I'm shaking my head to the point of a neck brace here. Here's here's the deal. Um, if you cannot afford a home that you would be proud to own, unfortunately, uh, you're in a rough spot where maybe you do need to re-sign the lease and sit out. But while you sit out, the price goes up. There is no financial benefit to sitting out. Now, if you're not ready and you can't reasonably, respectfully, responsibly afford it, then you should not over, you shouldn't do that. That's just mm -hmm. not wise. That's not wise stewardship, whether you're thinking biblically, logically, or just financially, that's not wise. But if you can afford it, but you're just ticked off about it, the strategy right now, whether we like it or not, and there's some other creative strategies, but overall pay the piper because the price goes up tomorrow. Now here's one little side benefit. If you get a contract, get a house under contract today, you probably have 20 to 30, 20 to 40 days of house appreciation before you close on it. So by the time you close on it, the value has caught up and gone beyond oftentimes what you thought you were And you're seeing that, so, and you're seeing that on a regular basis in real time. In 30 days? I'm seeing that on a daily basis. Do you wanna hear something legitimately absurd? Yes. I know this, you do. This podcast, I am nodding my head up and down absurd, very definitively but, as well. But yes. <laughs> I know you do because this is yolitics. In the last 12 months, actually, I could go so short as in the last 10 months, DFW real estate across the board, meaning the entire multiple listing system, the entire realtor database, house values are up over, over 24%. Wow. 24. Wow. Over 24%. That's 2% per month. If Actually, I did that on 10 months. That's what? 2.4% uh, per month. So in that 30-day waiting period, if it, you know, on the average, which right. no one property equals the average, but you're looking at a 2 to 3% home value appreciation. That is bananas or Whitley, as you might say, crazy berserk Ohio. Just before you close, that, that, that's nuts. Um, here's here's one problem I read the other day, and uh, Wheeler's a little younger than I yeah. am. Um, just by a bit. He, he looks he looks it as well, though. But, you know, Wheeler's not quite a millennial, even though he <laughs> wishes he was a millennial. I act like one. But he does act like one. I'll, I'll give him that. He, he There are very few people could could uh, outshine him on that. But... There are there's there's a new wave, a new generation trying to get into the housing market, and millennials are are priced out of this. Can they ever well, get in? I will be careful enough to stay out of the millennial waters, but we will say this: the the entry point of the housing market right now is that you can look at this two ways. The traditional way of looking at it, the entry point is gone. 
it's just not there anymore. Mm. Um, the other way of looking at it is the entry point just costs more now, right? So a lot of us bought homes six to 10 years ago, right? So we're kind of a cycle out of this and it just sounds completely and utterly insane to us because the last cycle, that entry level was for most of Dallas Fort Worth was low to mid 200s. I mean, you could get into a house you'd be proud to live in for 225 yeah. and now that's 325. Right. So one way of saying it is the 225 entry level market for the most part is gone in the anywhere near, you know, inner circle Dallas Fort Worth. Right. The other way to look at it is the entry point is still there. The price has just gone up and it's gone up because of what we said before. Supply is low. Demand is high. Prices go up. Those are logical economic reasons, though. The one thing I want to caution people from is to think that this is all this crazy momentous fad and it's going to go away. There is no logical, reasonable, intellectual reason that this will go away. Mm. If you want to say, well, booms and busts come, then I will volley right back at you and say the last bust that came, DFW home values did not go down across the board. I remember that. Virtually, generally speaking, the averages, our market just hit a pause from 08 to the middle of 2009, and then we got right back on the bus, gradually started growing, and then we saw a spike and we've been rapidly growing. But DFW wow. is one of the most stable markets relative to the rest of the country and the world. We're still, as far as opportunity, entertainment, lifestyle, we're still a relatively low cost area. So I, I say this so loud and so crazy and so energetically because people need to know the truth an agent who's part-time or a newspaper writer who's saying, oh my gosh, sit this one out, that's hurtful. That is mm. harmful. There is no benefit to sitting this out unless you legitimately aren't ready, can't afford it, or your family, you know, it's just, it's not the uh, right time. But mathematically, it's, it would be crazy to watch this go by and pay more. You know, money. Todd, we have mm. uh, listeners uh, across the state here in Texas, and it's much the same scene, you know, if you go to Houston, certainly if you go to Austin. I mean, that's just, it's nuts right now. Uh, San Antonio, even El Paso. Um, what are people to do if they're trying to look for that entry point range like you were talking about? I remember I did a story a few years ago about, you know, that being the hottest segment. If you could find something that's under $300,000, in a lot of these urban areas, it's almost like that that's the frenzy right there. If you can find something that's 300,000 or so in that range, it's there's a frenzy for those properties. Yeah, well, man, there's so many things I can say there. In addition to our brokerage company, Tatramani Home Selling Team, I've, I've got a consulting company where we coach and train agents all over the United States, all over North America, US and Canada. And so we have clients in Houston, Austin, all the El Paso, these places you're talking about. And I can tell you, yes, across the board, if you took kind of the general principles of what I just said, they're true any place in the entire state of Texas. I'm originally from Houston. I went mm -hmm. to school in Waco. We know these markets well, and I have clients that Austin is as frenzied as anywhere. Dallas is more frenzied in certain price ranges, but across the board, Austin is bananas. Waco, believe it or not, is as even beyond the Chip and JoJo yeah. factor is just completely nuts right now. Houston experienced a little weird slowdown with some oil and gas frustrations, but they've overcome it and they're into the full crazy, especially in some of those high demand areas like Katy and the Woodlands and things like that. I've got buddies in El Paso whose hair is borderline on fire, um, but it's true across the country. I've got a client in Williston, North Dakota. You want to talk about an art weird area, Williston, North Dakota, 
oil patch area of the middle of nowhere, North Dakota, should be a buyer's market because oil oil field stuff kind of hit the tank, you know, a year and a half ago and hasn't really recovered much. They're beginning to see this craziness of mm. people lining up outside houses. So it is almost, I say almost, because I'm sure someone can think of a place where I would be wrong, but other than that one place, almost across mm. the board. But to get to the point of your question, that entry level guy that's looking at that 300, yeah, they're going farther out. And that trend has been utterly exacerbated by COVID, by remote working, mm-hmm. by businesses finding that not only is it health-wise a wise and safe choice, but the bottom line is benefiting to let people work at home, let them sell their house in Uptown, move out to the edge of the county, move out you know, to a two-acre, three-acre, four-acre, five-acre property. We specialize in homes on land and we're seeing that explode. But yeah, we're seeing tons of people do that. And their 500K house in town they can get more house, more land, more privacy, gym at home. They don't have to have a storage facility anymore because they have a third garage bay at home. Now the 500K home, they get more house for 350, mm. 30 miles away, and they're happier. Now we'll see if they're happier mm-hmm. five years from now. Right. But 12 months into it, they're loving every bit of it, and we're selling them a bunch of those properties. So the problem is we're running out of those too. Well, Todd, let's talk about the rest of us. I, I'm not I, selling my house. My neighbor is is, is selling uh, uh, his house and obviously selling it at what I think is an exorbitant price. Yep. And now I'm going to face the consequences of yep. that with my Here property taxes going up wow. since the county will see how much that house sold for. Yep. So what happens to, to the rest of us? I, this is going to hurt me in the end. I'm going to pay more. Yes, you are. I do not have a magic wand that can fix that for you or me. Uh, The reality is that we live in a state that has fantastic, amazing, incredible benefits in a lot of ways. Uh, Property taxes is one of the very few areas that other parts of the country point their finger at us and laugh. We always joke because their laughter means they don't understand the whole picture. But we, you know, we pound our chest about no state income tax. We pound our chest about it fantastically attractive business environment and we benefit from all of that in lots of ways but at the moment there is no running from these property taxes right Mm. when your neighbor sells a home that he bought for 300 for 650 four years later your property valuation based on the county assessor is going up the only saving grace is the annual cap on that right so you're never going to have to pay more than 10 percent more than the previous year. You know, just about all of our governors like to kind of bang the drum and act like they're gonna change that. I'll whisper so no one gets too angry, but they're never gonna change it. (laughs) When was the last time your government gave you any money back without taking it again from some other bucket, right? Um, And I, I, I like Texas more than any other state. I always will, I always have, but the reality is they're not giving that money back, boys. They're not going to lower those rates. And if they do, they're going to raise something else. And I wish, I wish I believed otherwise. Yeah, you're right. It's baked into the cake. And the local entities are just as you know responsible for that as the state is. And, you know, everybody likes to talk about how, you know, we're, we're not increasing taxes. We're not increasing the rate. You don't need to increase right. taxes. You don't need to increase the rate because the market has done it for you. I'm going to pay 10 percent more and you're going to call that break even that you didn't raise my taxes. And and did you guys ever notice that when property values do slide and slip a little bit, they're not quite as quick to Mm -hmm. pay attention to those Mm -hmm. changes, right? Right. 
Um, but that, you know, I don't think there's any. So that's going to be an ongoing frustration for a lot of people as we go forward here. And uh, especially, you know, this might be I mean, I don't think it's going to come as a shock to people who have moved here, who are buying houses here, but they're going to get that first property tax bill and then it gets real. Well, and it's 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 hardest on the on the on the ends of the spectrum, right? You're a brand new home buyer and your senior citizen who's been living in a place, they've got a tax exemption, but it still can't fight against this crazy wave. So people are getting taxed out of their homes and it stinks. There's just nothing else to say about it other than it stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a boom in certain niche market segments. One of them is senior housing. And some of that has to do with the fact that seniors are no longer able to afford their single family detached independent homes. Even if they're able to, from a health perspective or a financial perspective, otherwise be able to afford mm-hmm. to live there, the taxes are starting to And these are people, people who paid I'll off the mortgage. Exactly. Free and clear homes, right. but the price still goes up. And that's where in Texas, whether we like it or not, a home is never truly free mm-hmm. and clear because uh, those taxes never go away. L- let me throw something out. If uh, Just because you guys are a political show, I think you might like this. If not, we can move on. No big deal. But one of the things I find ironic, and I have to sort of slowly and carefully and respectfully explain to a lot of our clients, is many of them, you know, raise hell, get super angry about these property taxes, but they vote for every single one of these bond proposals, right? It always sounds good for your school district to have a new natatorium. It always sounds good for more neighborhood branding on the signage, but somehow we're not doing the math that that's increasing the cost of, it never sounds like much when it's a fraction of a penny per thousand. But at the end of the day, all of this is raising our, what I would call mandatory cost of living. I'm not in control of that piece. And so at the end of the day, when I'm 72, healthy and able to afford what I committed to 25 years ago, I can no longer afford that. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not blaming any individual. I'm just saying, you know, on, on some level, when we have control, we need to pay attention to what that might do to us mm-hmm. down the road. It's a good point. All right, cool. Uh, Todd Tremonti, uh, his, you guys can hear him in DFW on WBAP, uh, 8.20 a.m. every Saturday at 3, Texas Real Estate with Todd Tremonti. Man, that was fantastic. I appreciate your time. Very enlightening. All right, so that is the view on the ground there. And uh, man, fights on the sidewalk with umbrellas, Jason. What is going on, dude? I mean, seriously? I thought I had some contentious uh, times looking for homes. That pales uh, in comparison. I've never hit anybody with an umbrella while looking for a home. It, you know, what you mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast, but the fact that I'm not in the market, I'm not I'm not looking to buy or sell. I just want to ride this thing out and I, I'm still going to get hit hard on this with property taxes. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't own a home right now, even if you just got to Texas and, and, Texas and you're you're renting an apartment, you're going to pay more for the uh, for the lease. Yeah. Or if you're renting a home, same thing. It, it's going to hit everybody. Yeah, so we want to broaden out here because Todd just, I I think he just painted the best picture of what stuff looks like on the ground at the granular level where you're actually seeing that, you know, the fights on the sidewalks, uh, as it were. Uh, Now we're going to kind of pull out to that 10,000 or 30,000 foot level here uh, and look at the things as a whole and how they stand. And we knew the perfect person to pull in for this. Uh, She works with an outfit called Go Management, uh, which oversees a lot of Keller Williams uh, offices. And uh, she's a real 
real estate broker uh, who works with 3,000 real estate agents. Uh, I mean, that's how many she is is over there. And so she has a really good view of how things are going. Her name is Ann LaCusta, and uh, she's hard to get because uh, she's very in demand. I mean, she's a little busy with 3,000 uh, realtors to deal with there, uh, but we were able to get her on the line here. So, Ann, thank you for being with us today. The the healthy market is about six months worth of housing for sale. In Dallas, we had less than a month. In Austin, we had less than two weeks to start this month. I mean, this is nuts. It's the perfect storm of so many factors. And so I would say I've watched the news in a new and different way, watched the news about the Suez Canal and thought, oh, no, what is on that ship? (laughs) It's going to impact construction here in Texas, because as interesting, you know, it's kind of far flung as that sounds, I actually believe, I believe that probably will have an impact. And so um, I think it's impacting those of us who study the industry from the big, the big front. It's really, um, we're looking at uh, pent up demand versus a bubble, um, which one of those things is going to end up being the fact. Um, We're looking at um, housing as a luxury good. Um, is that where we're going is housing is a luxury good and um, how do we combat that in such a way that it um, benefits the economy um, looking at interest rates and all the new interesting conversation about negative interest rates in Europe and the impact that's having on housing um, there's just a lot of interesting topics right now that I think are coming together to create this inventory shortage and let's back up and kind of look at this from the 30,000 foot view here. We have bidding wars going on. There are houses going for above asking price. People are sending letters saying yeah. why they want your house. Um, why? Give us an idea of why Texas is so hot. How did we become the San Francisco or the Washington, D.C.? Right. And so, number one, I think we've done a great job of job creation CB Richard Ellis just put out a wonderful tech talent report that they do annually, and it shows Austin and DFW both in the top 10 of tech talent. So that's jobs held, jobs created, and degrees given. So so we're doing some of those things right. We're being forward thinking as a state um, and doing some of those things right. What's interesting is they say that all the stats point to twice as many people moving into Texas from California as moved from Cal- from Texas to California. So when those people come, they come with high, ex- high price tolerance, they come with equity, they come with an ability to pay those higher prices. Mm. And we've been seeing the prices go up year over year here in Texas. All of the major markets have gone up by double digits once again. Yep. Uh, so, and we do get to that point where we say, well, I mean, are we in a situation where we are nearing a bubble? You know, you said the B word there. Are we nearing a bubble in Texas or in some of the markets of Texas? So I definitely uh, believe there has been some emotional pandemic buying, uh, people just wanting to move ahead. I'm going to tell you that I am an optimist and I don't believe it's a bubble when we can see if low interest rates remain. So this is a key a key factor. If low interest rates remain, I believe prices still have growth opportunity. The other thing that I think is interesting is just the impact of interest rates. That's the single most important thing. And this is y'all a ticks. 
and interest rates are, you know, I was thinking about what should I talk about and I'd say um, interest rates are definitely political, right? They are impacted by policy and strategy from a federal and a state level. And so watching those interest rates, it was interesting to me that the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, all of those had those negative interest rate articles just in the last two or three days. And people think, how could that possibly happen? And yet, um, if we're going to continue to have, you know, rising prices, if this is the facts, if the supply is, you know, in the freeze, people are having to redo their homes and the cost of redoing their homes is costing a whole lot more than they anticipated than their homeowner's insurance. And I mean, if homes are actually, if home ownership is going to get more expensive, what do we have to do to interest rates to keep it affordable? And I mm. think that whole, y'all are y'all ticks people, that whole negative interest rate conversation or how low can it go, you can play limbo and do a little investigating on what that really means because people's first reaction is what? No. And yet when you really study it, you pay down your principal and the bank pays you every month to use your money. You have the degree in economics. Do you think that that is actually possible here in the U.S.? So not on 30-year mortgages, right? There are only um, there are only three countries in the world with 30-year mortgages, the United States, Israel, and Denmark. Hmm. And that has been a big contributor to creating our middle class here, the 30-year fixed mortgage. Um, and when you really step back and think about a thir- someone loans you money for 30 years on a fixed rate, it's kind of a crazy product. And yet we here in the United States take it very much for granted. I do not believe it'll be possible in that vehicle, but do I believe there will be vehicles that come on with that negative interest rate? I do. I absolutely do. And that would be politically driven so that we can address the fact that house uh, home, home prices are spiraling out of control and a lot of people can't afford them. That's right. And how much of this crazy market is being fueled by the uh, by the pandemic, the low interest rates and people wanting an extra bedroom so they can set up a home office? Well, I think it absolutely is. I think that and the super low interest rates are the two driving factors. It's emotional. It feels emotional um, to have your own place. How are realtors handling this? Because I know uh, that I've dealt with realtors in the past and I've even said to them, like, if you want to drop me, I totally understand because it gets emotional and you're trying to, you know, get to, you know, as many properties as you can and you might be missing out one after the other after the other. And I mean, these realtors have to be talking their clients off the ledge over and over and over again because they keep on losing in these bidding But, but to be fair, Ann, we, we've been trying to drop Jason for a while and we can't do that either. So <laughs> I, I understand where the realtors are coming from, but go ahead. Jeez. Well, they are constantly having to fight off just exhaustion and maybe even a little depression with buying a home should be so exciting and so fun and so happy. And um, I think it's a little bit of a beat down right now, just the process of hurrying, looking around in a yard, you can walk up to a home and there's a long line of people waiting to see it. And so that's a little, I think it's just disconcerting for a buyer like, oh, shoot, this fun process that we were going to go through suddenly feels frantic and less like I'm in control. So to me, that's what you're looking for in an agent is an agent that can give you some power back, some feeling of control, because there are some things you can do as a buyer. 
And last weekend, my wife and I sat on the front porch and we watched as our neighbor uh, put their house on the market. And on day one, we were sitting out here and they had car after car. Normally, I think there are hour long showings. I believe you probably know the industry standard on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But these were half hour showings because there was so much interest. And it was one set of clients and realtor butting up against another set. And at the end of the day, they had three offers over asking price. That's stunning to me. But my question is, how long does this last and is this sustainable? Well, if I knew that, I'd be way more valuable than I am. um, So new construction is a part of our inventory that is actually bringing some level of concern at this time because of the supply shortages in lumber, the cost of lumber, um, I mentioned earlier making offers on homes that you haven't yet toured. Well, that's completely what you're doing in new construction. So specifically with building new homes, the concern becomes that the builders who are good people, right? Many, Most of us know people who work for builders and developers, but the uh, strict housing demand, just the rush, the, the feeling of frantic that our buyers have is putting them in a situation of signing a contract with a builder And many of them, they're not state promulgated forms, they're builder friendly forms. And we know that that's always been kind of the truth in real estate. But at this point, some of them are not even guaranteeing the final sales price. And I'm not sure when you go and sit down with a builder and they've given you chocolate chip cookies and you know, whatever, I'm not sure that that we're really thinking about how to best protect ourselves. And I understand why they're doing it. It's not that it's not a legitimate concern. They don't know how much lumber is going to be. They don't know how much the bathtub's going to be, the windows, the insulation. They, there's missing information. But it, you've signed on saying that you're going to pay for this and you don't know either. It's, it has created quite a situation. And I'm just being very honest about that. I'm not blaming. I'm just, it's just the facts of our very unique housing market are, are putting everyone in, in a little bit of um, peril, whether I don't believe there's anybody out there trying to treat consumers poorly, but it is a, a little bit of a danger zone that I, in my years in the industry, have not seen really less protection for consumers than I do right now in that particular area. Uh, you know, I, I talked with you a while back and, and I asked you then if you thought that we were already in a housing bubble here in Texas. And you brought up a term that I hadn't heard before. You said, no, we are not. We, I think that we are actually under housed. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that. So um, as you look, it's really a numbers game. So as you look at numbers, um, home ownership and the percent of people that own a home are an interesting step, but in truth, every household needs shelter. So um, whether they own it or rent it, someone's going to own it. <laughs> so we really have a shelter shortage that um, multifamily uh, is coming on strong build-wise, but multifamily is also experiencing this supply shortage and is also experiencing delays in their completion date. And so particularly in Texas where population growth, um, our addition of rooftops, be that multifamily or whatever that is, our addition of rooftops is not keeping up with our addition of households, of families. Mm-hmm. It's just not, mm-hmm. you, if you look at the numbers, we're falling short every year and we've really never caught up. It's been an interesting housing recovery 
if you really study the industry in 2008-2009, new construction just fell way off. Um, Builders went bankrupt. It was a very difficult time. Construction fell way off. We have never gone back to those levels of construction again, never. And yet we've continued to have growth in our population here in Texas. And so it's really, it's been building. It's a snowball effect. And now you add the supply chain shortages that every builder will tell you is serious for them and the increased cost of lumber. Um, and it's, it's not sudden, right? The saying is slowly then suddenly. And I would say we're experiencing that in our shelter shortage here in Texas. Well, why haven't we caught up though in the last 12 years? That's I mean, a decade. You'd think we'd have plenty of time. You would think so. Um, I, I think that builders were and i'm speaking for them so but i know a lot of builders and developers and i think there's there was just a very large fear factor they Mm -hmm. had so many existing homes that they could not sell that now they really don't want those where you walk through three or four completed homes and pick the one you want they they don't want that kind of inventory they really Mm -hmm. uh prior to kind of the new construction situation that we're in now they liked selling it and then building it for you. That was much safer for them. Actually, right now that's causing problems, right? Because what is the price going to be when we arrive at completion? Mm. Well, that's very difficult to determine right now. I am curious though that you mentioned luxury item that houses owning a house may become just, you know, uh, for a set few, uh, relatively speaking. It's really interesting to look at 2020. Home sales were up about right under 10% in the state of Texas, 2020 over 2019. Homes over a million dollars were up almost 25% 2020 over 2019. So we know that luxury homes are becoming a more, a a larger part of the segment of the market. And so just looking at um, the transient nature of people today, and so that may impact home ownership long term. That may make renting more uh, desirable. And then just affor- affordability, you do wonder with super low interest rates, affordability is not being impacted the way the pricing may make it seem like it should. Uh, mm-hmm. The low interest rate is helping, but at some point you certainly worry about affordability and will it become more of a luxury good? Well, and driving driving that up, too, we've got the investors, Anne. And, you know, Jason was talking about sitting out there on his porch watching people come and go from that home. One of those people who came and went could have been one of these investors who shows up cash in hand, ready to let's do this. And that's happening a lot. It is happening a lot. And it's really interesting that cash offers are very desirable because we have an appraisal problem. When prices go up so fast and furious, then we have an appraisal problem. Some of our sellers, um, when you use owner-occupied financing as a buyer, the seller can only stay in the home 60 days, really 59. They have to be out on the 60th day. Well, if I'm a cash buyer, I don't have that problem. So I can let the seller stay longer in the home, which is very desirable to a seller. And yet I, as an investor, still have attained the asset. I've still Mm gained that asset for my portfolio. So... It is our market is creating a, a marketplace where those cash offers from investors are very desirable for our sellers. Mm. And, and you've done this for a couple of years. You, you've seen a couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. are, are you excited or concerned about where we are right now with the Texas real estate market? 
So a little of both, but I'm going to come down on the side of excited. Um, I think there is going to be a great deal of innovation that's going to happen. And part of it is in our mindset. This thought of, um, I'm going to sell my home, but the only people that are going to come in are going to be the people that we've already negotiated a price. We've already uh, decided that they're financially qualified. Um, some of that, I think, actually serves the public well. That's that's a good feeling. So what you watched in your neighbor, Jason, with the parade of people through, maybe that won't be necessary. And maybe that's just a wonderful thing. Um, I think 3D technology, um, I don't know if either of you have ever used an mm -hmm. Oculus, but you put it on and you can tour a, a castle or, you know, what if that's the future of real estate? What if we're touring homes that way? Um, so when you ask me if I'm afraid or excited, I say, oh, I'm excited. There's a lot of things that can come. I am very concerned about affordability and that statement of housing becoming a luxury good. Now, if that happens because people are transient, people are satisfied there, um, we're working remotely, we can move around because we're working remotely, we can you know, live in all four corners of the universe and still do our job, that would be a good outcome but I worry about it if it's affordability that stands in the way of people owning a home, then that's economically quite negative. Yeah, you know, go back, going back to the future comment there uh, for just a moment, you think though that these virtual showings that have become so popular during the pandemic, that that's going to stick around, that's going to stay after this is all said and done. I do. I think that that is, um, as we emerge, we've all had a, a year long experience, right? It may be even a trauma, varying levels of trauma. And so the concept of let me just open up my home and everybody stroll through it, I'm not sure we go back to that place. And yeah. part of our housing shortage, remember, we have evidence that people are not selling their home. <laughs> the evidence is strong that people are not selling their home. And so what, what does real estate as an industry need to do to make that more palatable for people, to make the experience a little easier for people? That's part of creating supply is making sure that our technology keeps up with what sellers actually find acceptable. Um, last thing I want to hit on with you here is there's a lot of things that buyers can do, even though this is clearly a seller's market on steroids here in this state right now. But, you know, a buyer can, you know, waive contingencies and that sort of thing. But we have talked before, and if you could just kind of run down a few things here, people are getting creative, too, uh, and trying to find a way to say, OK, well, you've maxed me out money wise. Uh, let me be creative here to be competitive. That's exactly right. So we're seeing people. Um, I mentioned the seller lease back. That's very appealing. We're seeing people let just tell the seller, take what you want and leave everything else and I'll handle it. Um, like leave your trash, Leave your trash, leave your junk. Don't go through everything in your closet. Um, wow. Just leave it there and I as the buyer will handle it. We're actually seeing that becoming very popular because again, the appraisal issue pops up. So something other than price. So I would tell buyers, cater to the seller. Um, do you want to pay for their dog to be kenneled for a week? Or do you want to pay for their move? Um, <laughs> we're seeing all kinds of creative things that aren't price. And so, and there's no reason that isn't okay, right? There's no law that says that that's not okay. It's okay to cater to the seller. You even had the pizza guy. Yeah, that's right. We had the buyer that owned a pizza restaurant, and he offered pizza for a year, and the seller said, well, yeah, I like that. 
Wait, 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 wait. Who wait, passes I, that? Wait, up? wait, wait. Yeah. I missed this. Wait, say that again. So, some guy on a pizza restaurant wanted to buy a house. Right, and so he offered the seller. The seller was moving locally. He offered the seller pizza for a year, and his bid won. <laughs> Wow, that's great. Because who turns that down? <laughs> you know, wow. that is great. Um, and thank you for taking the time. Again, I know that uh, the end of a month is especially busy in your industry, and as you crunch those uh, enormous numbers that just keep on coming in, and hopefully. I don't know what we look like as we go through the rest of what they call the season, which usually runs from about spring break through July. Uh, It started much earlier this time around, and I'm just curious to see what we're going to look like price-wise and inventory-wise as we get into the thick of it here early in summer. Absolutely. The second quarter, so uh, we'll get Q1 stats, and then the second quarter is going to be fascinating. Which wins, you know, uh, pent-up demand or prices get too high? going to be really a test of our housing market effort. Did you see me squeeze in another question there even after I had said I was done and thanked you and everything? <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and good stuff. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. So she mentioned how, you know, COVID is going to change everything, how this, uh, this surge in prices and this lack of inventory is going to change everything. She mentioned virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Do you have an Oculus, Jason? One of these I don't, but I, I don't, but I have worn one, to, in fact, to go through a property. Not one that I was buying. It was as part of a story that I was doing, and it is an interesting way to check out a place. Wow. My, my, I mentioned my neighbor in, in that interview there. Um, they are moving to the Northeast uh, for a job up there, mm-hmm. and the demand is through the roof there. And and she mentioned that one thing they're doing in the Northeast is they are uh, doing walkthrough inspections. They don't even have time for inspections anymore because Come people on. are coming with cash offers and, you know, wanting to close immediately, et cetera, multiple offers. So they're doing walkthrough inspections. I'm like, how does this work, walkthrough inspections? Well, you get 90 minutes inside the property and the inspector will walk with you even if you want to do an inspection. People are buying without doing inspections at these prices. My wife was making a joke that, yeah, you know, probably the, the termites are probably hold hands hoping that wall doesn't break. You know, <laughs> that's insane. You don't know what you're buying. It is. I'm, I'm sorry. When you're putting down that kind of money, uh, I, you, you got to have it looked at. But I mean, you know, like Ann was saying, there, you know, some people are building homes right now and signing an agreement saying that, yeah, I'll buy this home, uh, even though we haven't filled in yet what the price is going to be. I mean, shall I just hand you a check out of my checkbook and uh, fill it all out except for the price? and you just go ahead and put whatever you want on my blank right. check. I mean, I don't know. It, in places, it seems like the cart's in front of the horse. Uh, we hope that this has helped to enlighten if you are going through this process. Leave us comments. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to it. Send this out, by the way, to anybody you know who's looking for a home right, right now because they need to hear these particulars uh, and uh, make your fan- friends and family listen as well because uh, it's good for us all to be educated about these things. Uh, thanks as always, everybody, for listening. We will have another episode for you next Tuesday, maybe even before then, uh, if uh, events dictate.